0: Well, we've reached our Christmas season, so to speak, and, you know, it's a season where we remember and we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's a good thing that we want to do to remember. Um, It's gotten stretched out to a long season, but that's not bad. You know, we got our Christmas lights up, you know, uh, thankfully. Uh, We're actually late in our in our neighborhood, they got them up like the day after Thanksgiving. They started putting them up. and uh, But it's good to remember and to celebrate, um, you know, Christ coming to earth. And I was thinking about a verse that is often read at Christmas, and you often hear this associated with it, um, and it's Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so here is Isaiah speaking and and prophetically giving a prophecy 700 years before Christ, and he's foretelling who would be born to save mankind, and not just that, but what he'll be like, his names. Uh, And so it was a message not just saying there would be a Savior, but who it was in in character and in heart um, by giving him these names. And so I wanted to just take the opportunity for the next few Sundays to look at some of the names. Maybe you could call them the names of Christmas but it's the names of Christ as he came to earth uh, for us. It's hard to think of this verse, or it's hard for me to think of this verse without um, being reminded of the magnificent Handel's Messiah, right? And this is one of the culminating uh, choruses in Handel's Messiah, for unto us a child is born. You can kind of hear them singing it. If you've heard that, it sticks with you. but that's a musical celebration proclaiming Christ's birth and his coming to earth the first time. And it culminates with the Hallelujah Chorus, and it's very magnificent. But really, it's something awesome to consider, how he came, Uh, and that the solution for man's problem was God descending from his place in heaven and coming to earth as a little child. That was God's solution. That was the solution. And not just that, he came in the form of a little child being born among us in a low place. In Isaiah, it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. There's an important distinction there, actually. He was born... Just like one of us as a little child in a humble manger. You know, if you think about it, most of us had a better birth than he did. More more, more glorious in that sense. You know, we were probably all born in, in hospitals and, uh, you know, with good doctors and, uh, you know, the best equipment and so forth. But he was just there born and with the animals. But yeah, he did that for us. But you know what sets him apart? He, he came as that little child, but then it says, uh, but he was also a son given. He was a son given. The son of God, the son of the Most High, was given for us as a gift. That, that was the greatest gift, Christmas gift, that was given to us. He wasn't just a child born, but he was a son given to be a sacrifice for us. I don't know if you can put it more eloquently than Jesus himself uh, did. And I, we don't use John 3.16 in a lot of sermons, but I'm going to use it in this one. Because it, it summarizes it, right? For God so loved the world, and that's the Father, he gave his only begotten Son. That's the gift. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so this concept of giving gifts at Christmas is actually scriptural, because Christ or the Father gave us the best gift he gave us his son. and so Christ came as a child and in the natural, but he also came as a son in the spiritual and as a son he didn't just what the gift wasn't just coming to earth, but the gift was the life he lived. you know he was a son who learned obedience through what the things he suffered through You could say an intense period of training and then to go in through the, you know, his ministry and how he gave himself for the people and then how he gave himself on the cross. And so, you know, it was a wonderful gift that we've been given, that we celebrate. But then back in, in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, it says, the government shall be upon his shoulder you know, that speaks of authority. The government is upon his, his shoulder. Jesus came in the authority of his heavenly father. But in reality, he came under the authority of his father. He flowed with that. And so he, that happened when he first came. But the real fulfillment is going to be when he comes again. And then all authority will be under him, you know, when all things will be placed under His feet and He will reign forever. And so let's consider just uh, some of these names. We'll look at two of them today. Uh, the, some of the names of Christmas, you could say, of Christ coming um, as that child and as that son. Uh, names that were proclaimed and associated with His birth. The first two we're going to look at are Wonderful and Counselor. Now some translations uh, they don't have a comma between those names, and they so they kind of combine it and say wonderful counselor. I think the comma is justified. We'll look at at that here in a moment. Um, that's how it's displayed in the authorized version. There's a comma there, so we'll we'll go with that. But it, that that name it says he he is wonderful, like the old chorus goes. I won't sing it, but. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus our Lord. You know, that's the message of Christmas, the wonder and the majesty of Christmas. The meaning of this Hebrew word for wonderful, it means to separate, to distinguish, or to make great. To make great, wonderful. There's a thought of uh, miraculous with it. But yet, it's it's the greatness of it. Uh, I wanted to, to emphasize it. You know, this name "wonderful." It's not necessarily a, a common name we refer to him by, um, like the Messiah or our healer, or so forth. But it's just it's a name that expresses who he is. He's wonderful. But perhaps also that expresses what, what he wants to do in his people, that he wants to do a wonderful work. In his people, you know, it was wonderful uh, what he did as the Son of God to leave his exalted place and come down and walk in that uh, low way. He was brought low, but then he was lifted up again to his wonderful place. And, you know, that's described, that process can be kind of summarized or described, and it's talked about, you could say, in, in Philippians 2 is a portion called the kenosis of Christ, which stands for self-emptying, where he emptied himself of his place in the Godhead and became a little child for us. Um, And uh, I won't read it all, but Philippians 2 and verse 6, it talks about how even though he was equal with God, he became of no reputation, came down to that low place of humility. He became obedient unto the death on the cross. And that was an essential part of the victory. And it's a, actually, it's an example for us to follow, which is why we, we read those verses and why Paul reiterates them to us. But it doesn't, you know, that victory comes through humility, being able to walk upon the low pathway as we submit ourselves to that obedience, even to our own death, the death of our own will, um, you know, our own desires, so that we follow the way of the cross, the way of our Heavenly Father. But it doesn't stop there, thank God, because that's, that's the way down so that we can go up as Christ did. He came down and became the least, and then something wonderful happened. And, and we'll read these words, Philippians 2.9. Wherefore, because of those preceding verses... God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus was gloriously lifted back up to his exalted place and higher. right? Because every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is, is Lord. Even those under the earth, they won't have a choice. They didn't do it in life, but they will do it. Every Everyone will do it at, at when the time comes because of how glorious he is and how wonderfully he overcame. And so he accomplished something so great. Yet all of this story and all of scripture really um, is to show us what he what he's like but also what he desires to do in his people he wants to do a wonderful work of glory just like in his own happened in his own life he wants to do in his church because his his church is called unto that same glory and so the wonder of the majesty of Christ is to lift our eyes up to him and participate in that glory to prepare us for what is to come you know sometimes our eyes are just fixed on our daily tasks you know on what we have to do day by day um but there there that's normal but there's also experiences god wants to give to us and lead us in where we lift our eyes to heaven and we focus on what god is trying to communicate with us what he's trying to work in us because he wants to do something in us and through us. Now, I think of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. They were just going about their business, watching over their flocks by night, but then something caught their attention. Right, The angel of the Lord sh- and the glory of God shone round, round about them. It caused them to lift their eyes unto heaven, and they were given a message of, of Christ coming and a task of going to greet him and welcome him as as he came uh, to go welcome the king of kings to the earth as a little child. You know as they lifted their eyes and beheld and received that message and they walked in it they had the privilege of of welcoming the son of god to earth. But I think that that task is going to be given again to his people because they're going to receive a message They're going to go out and prepare the way for Christ to be received again in the earth. And this time, he's he's not coming as a little child. Mm -hmm. He's coming as a conquering king, riding upon his white horse. Mm -hmm. But he has a message for us to receive and transmit as we can flow with him as we walk in his pathway. We can transmit his glory even if it's seemingly small, but you know when you combine, we can be a little light. But when you combine a lot of little lights together, it can make a powerful light. But the manifestation of His glory does have seasons, right? We recognize there are seasons in in the story of God's people and in the age of the church, uh, where God manifests His glory in a greater degree. Um, we don't necessarily see clear manifestations today, but yet we're believing that God, God will manifest His glory again, hopefully soon, but definitely in the days to come, you know as His word has, has promised us that He is going to come in glory and in power and manifest that. He did that in Israel. You know, we can read about that, how he came time and again to Israel and manifest manifested himself to them in, in Psalm 78 and verse 12. It says, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zohan. And that was just for starters. But that, that is the exact same Hebrew word uh, for wonderful as marvelous things. God did wonderful things for Israel as he delivered them from Egypt. And then he kept doing wonderful things as he was with them in the promised land. And then wonderful things as he brought them in, right? As they walked around the walls of Jericho, God did wonderful things to make the way to move the enemy out of their inheritance. And that is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to do wonderful things to bring us into our inheritance. It doesn't necessarily need a manifestation of the fullness of his glory. Hopefully we'll get a taste of it. But he wants to do wonderful things in our lives to bring us into what he has for us. And he he gave us this name from the very beginning. Even Jesus as a little child, he is wonderful. Of course, we have to submit to that way. That's a part of that wonderful process is following the way of Christ. And he took that pathway of humility and the cross. But as he submitted to that, he was lifted up in a wonderful way to glory. One more name we can consider here is, he was wonderful. And then it says, counselor. Counselor. This name can give you a little bit of a pause because you're thinking, well, he's counselor. The name of the King of Kings here to to prepare the way for Christ to come to earth is counselor. It's kind of hard to understand how you can relate that to Christmas, so to speak, But, but it's a very specific thought that God wants to share with his people, because one of the purposes of his birth was so that he could be our counselor. He desires to lead us And to interact with us, and to have the a relationship of a counselor. You know, we can think of our glorious King in heaven, and He's calling us all to be there with Him someday. Uh, But there's so much more that He wants to relate to us now, on Earth. He wants to relate to us. He wants to lead us and guide us and direct us, day by day, on our pathway. And he wants to do that as our counselor. Uh, One of the commentaries I read uh, was from Barnes. And he said this about counselor, that it denotes one of the honorable rank, one who is suited to stand near princes and kings as their advisor. It is expressive of great wisdom and of qualifications to guide and direct the human race. And it's the idea that God is qualified to guide and direct us. We can safely trust in him as our counselor, that he will lead us in a kingly manner, in a royal manner. And that's what our wonderful God desires to do. He wants to relate to us as our counselor and lead us and guide us in our pathway. And I was just thinking about Psalm 48. It's called the Psalm of Zion. And it describes the glorious city of of Zion on earth. That that speaks to us of the glorious city in heaven. Um, But it says this in Psalm 48 and verse 2. It starts this way. It says, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And God is known in her palaces for a refuge. And so Zion is a beautiful and glorious city his temple is there his name is there it's a joy and a praise of the whole earth and this took place uh, this glory took place in a very small way in history but the true fulfillment is going to come uh, at least on earth will come in the millennium then the the really true fulfillment is in heaven right as zion in heaven but i wanted to i said that so i can look at how the psalm ends in verse 14. Psalm 48 and verse 14 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. That's, that's the heart of our God. He wants to guide us even unto our end. You know, there's, there's going to be a glorious city of, refu- of Zion. It's a refuge where God is going to dwell upon earth. Um, but you know the real glory is found when He dwells in and works in our lives as our Counselor. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to lead us. And that work that He does in us will last for eternity. You know, even when you think about when He dwells on on earth, and uh, I want to I want to be around to see what He does in uh, on earth and in the glorious city in Zion and so forth. But you know what? That's, that's not eternal. That's only going to last for a thousand years and then everything's made new. But the work he does in us as we submit to him as our counselor is eternal. It'll be forever because it will forever be, uh, it will have forever changed and transformed our lives. He wants to be our guide unto. Unto death or unto our end, our transition from earth into glory. And so as we turn to him, he will counsel us and direct us and guide us. Sometimes that comes through godly leaders, um, you know, or there can be a quickening of his spirit as he's leading us day by day to make decisions. But it's for a purpose, it's to guide us through life so that, that our end is wonderful and glorious. There can be some challenges along the way. There will be some challenges um, that he needs to navigate us through. That's why we need a counselor, right? I mean, if, if you knew everything you needed to do, you wouldn't need a counselor. But there's going to be some patches where maybe you feel like you're in the dark and you need to, you need God to turn on the lights or at least to be a, a maybe a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and show us steps along the way, I want to consider a verse that you probably never associated with the Christmas story, at least I hadn't, um, until I was just thinking about about this concept of him as our counselor, but it, it really applies to this thought of how he wants to lead us and illuminate our way, and this is in 1 Kings 10 and verse 1. And it says, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came and she proved him. Sure, she came to prove him with hard questions. So when Solomon, in the glory of God and the wisdom of God, she, she came, she wanted to test him out. She wanted to present some real puzzles, some enigmas. And really, is he really as wise as they say he is. So she probably thought of some really complicated things and present, well, Solomon, what do you think about this situation? And he had he was so anointed with wisdom that he just blew her away with his responses. She was amazed. She said, "I hadn't even heard the half of it of, of how God had blessed you with wisdom and understanding. But she came, it said, with hard, questions. The Hebrew of that uh, meaning of that phrase is a riddle, a difficult question, a dark or obscure enigma. You know, this is the exact phrase that's used to describe the Antichrist in Daniel 8.23. It says he's going to come speaking dark sentences. These these, uh, very cunning words that it's going to be very difficult to cut through to see the truth. I'm bringing this out because The reality is that Christ has a glorious work and he has a pathway for us to follow. But then comes the Queen of Sheba, right? Or you could say the spirit of this world, of this age, um, or we have adversaries that will come trying to challenge the work of Christ within us, some natural and some spiritual. And we can go through situations that are hard to understand. And they're like those dark sentences, these enigmas Oh God, how is this going to work out? How am I going to make it through this? How am I going to overcome? What do I do? We don't know. But thank God we have a counselor in heaven. He wants to be our guide throughout our whole life. There's not a period where he says, "Uh, I'm going to take time off. He says he's our guide unto death Mm -hmm. till we pass over. And then it doesn't end there because we're lifted up to sit with him in heavenly places. But we have to trust in him. We have to commit ourselves to to one who is faithful, to be our counselor, to submit ourselves. Because a counselor isn't any good if you never go to him and ask for counsel, is it? Or you can ask for counsel, but then you hear something that's like, "Uh, it's not what I wanted to hear. I'm going to do X, Y, Z instead of A, B, C. But as we trust in him and submit to him and let him lead us, he will guide us and he'll make our pathway clear and straight before us. I'm gonna end it with a story. Have you ever heard of the story of the Gordian Knot? Maybe you haven't. But it's it's basically associated uh, with it's a story in Greek mythology. Um, about something called the Gordian Knot, and it was in uh, Phrygia, which is modern-day Turkey. And uh, it was supposedly an oracle proclaimed that the next man in in a wagon to enter the town square, he should be proclaimed king. And so sure enough, a man came, uh, his name was Gordian, and he became king. And as a memorial, he tied a a huge knot that was so uh, intricate that That it was impossible to untie it, and so the legend it became a legend that whoever untied that would become the ruler of all Asia. All right, so that was the ancient legend, and that supposedly that was there that that Gordian knot existed, and so here comes Alexander the Great. He's looking to be the ruler of all Asia, and many had tried to come before him and untie the knot, and they they hadn't been able to do it. So Alexander comes and he looks at the knot. I don't know if he fiddled with it at all, but he's come, he's come to be the ruler of Asia. So instead of trying to, to untie it, he pulls out his sword and he slices it in half. And, it, and well, the knot's undone. Um, he released the knot and he became the ruler of Asia. It's ironic seeing that it was Alexander who cut the knot as we look at him. But, but you know, that can speak to us with the concept uh, and be a picture of what our wonderful counselor, there I removed the the comma, he can be our wonderful counselor too, but of what he can do if we place our lives in his hand. Because we can have some situations that sure are like the Gordian knot and we've tried to unravel it and figure it out and trace our pathway, but then it kind of goes like this and it's all knotted and it's like, God, what do I do? How do I go in this? It's a dark enigma, a dark saying. But God can lead us into his glorious light through his word. And of course, his word is like a sword, isn't it? And and it's so wonderful when you are struggling and you're in the dark and it's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And you just get one word from heaven and it just slices through all of that. And it sets us free. We know the way to go and we can have confidence in that. That's as we follow him as our wonderful counselor. And he wants to do that for us in our day that we're living in now and in the days to come for his church. And so there are many names of Christ and there are many names of Christmas because that's what it was proclaimed of him the first time that he came. But he came to lift our eyes unto him. To the wonderful work he did and he wants to do in us and through us, so that we can be lifted up with him and sit with him in heavenly places. But that takes uh, place as we're willing to walk his pathway, that low place, that place of humility, being obedient to his heavenly Father, even unto the death of the cross. But then he lifts us up. And as we place our trust in him as our counselor, he will be our guide even unto death and unto glory. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that you gave your son as this wonderful gift to us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to follow him. And Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to know you in these ways. Oh, Lord, we just declare that you are wonderful. Oh, Lord, and that you want to do a wonderful work in our lives. Lord, help us to yield to you. Help us to submit to your work and your pathway. And Lord, we thank you that you're also our counselor. Your promise is that you will guide us. You'll lead us through the dark times, through the enigmas, Lord, through the the seasons where we just don't know the way to go. Oh, but you'll guide us and you'll lead us through your good ways and your good path. Oh God, and you'll lead us unto your glory. Oh, may we know you afresh as our wonderful counselor, we ask. And we thank you in Jesus' name.